to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Jacks. I'm Tamal Eliani back on the board. SP futures up 75 cents. NASDAQ futures up 675. Everything going good here. We're Eliani back on top of her game over there. Uh, What's up, everybody? Good morning. So, uh, did you have a good weekend? I had a great weekend. You know what I did? I will know in a second. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh, you guys didn't have a show? No, we didn't have a show this weekend. I just, I just chilled at home, just you know, mental decompression of sorts. Oh, good for you. Good yeah, for you. it is good for me. <laughs> Not every weekend like that, but once in a while. What, do you guys got a show this weekend for the Easter or no? Uh, no, we don't. Um, we're taking a couple of weeks off. We actually just hired a new bass player who we love. And uh, he's uh, his name is Kevin, and he plays like a beast, and he sings, and he's adorable, and I want to put him in my pocket. Good for you. And uh, we're actually playing the Windy City Ball in May, which is a big deal. We're going to be walking our first carpet, which is really exciting. Um, what does that mean? There's there's a, there's a carpet with photographers. Ah, fancy! So I'm getting all geared up for that. I have all all my uh, my beauty appointments set. <laughs> are, you, are you bringing Brennan with you? No, unfortunately. <laughs> is Brennan with us? He is. Brennan, how come you're not walking down there? The, how come you're not walking down the carpet? I didn't know such a thing existed. I didn't either. The opportunity was there. You see, these oh, these oldsters can learn a little something. There's a, a carpet there. I knew they had they had one for the Academy Award, but other than that, I thought that was the only one. Yeah. The only other carpet I... Well, the only other gonna, carpet I... Yeah. Is it going to be an exclusive situation like there was at the Oscars? <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's exclusive as in there's going to be a lot of rich white people that are there for a charity event. Oh, that's okay. Hmm? Well, Brendan might be there. Huh? <laughs> Just saying. Or are you going to be down... What would the guy call uh, Warren Buffett the sociopathic grandpa or something? I'm sure there's going to be some variety of those. Yeah. Yeah, might have some of those. You never know. Nah, it's going to be great. I'm excited about it. So, Brendan, how are you? I'm doing well today, thanks, Chief. But the uh, yeah, it's a uh, had a pretty nasty day in the market yesterday. Just uh, I I don't know where I've kind of felt like that on a down day in a long time, Brendan. Normally, when I say normally, the, the the feeling on these we've had you know so many up days over the last ten years that you just get this S and P's run up and they just stay there and you sit there all day long and stare at the screen and they never move and. At the closure, at the same price you were at ten in the morning, and you're sitting there, you on, and even though it was a you know big day, normally on the downside, it doesn't really work like that. There's a little more action, a little more uh, concern, and things jump around a bit. But yesterday was just like that on the downside. We went down, you know, fifty spoos and kind of sat there, fifty one, fifty, fifty, fifty five, and for hour after hour, I'm like, God, this sounds, this feels like an up day, only it's down. It's the weirdest thing, and then we closed kind of on our lows. But it was pretty brutal. It's it's taken out uh, <coughs> a lot of uh, uh, these, you know, the Fang sort of stocks, the high high price ones, and you know, unfortunately, a couple of the groups that I do a lot of business for and the protected stuff, which we were fine. I actually uh, we had some calls on some of their our QQQs, and a little bit in the spider, mostly in the Qs. But our, our calls got deep in the money when it kind of ran up, so we've been kind of rolling them up. You know, day by day, if we can, so we've snuck them up. You know, five, six points over the last couple of weeks, and uh, till we were still pretty deep in the money, and we 
but we still have puts, uh, you know, against them. And I said, you know, you see, they're so far out of the money. I, this market does not look that good to me. So we actually normally, what you, you never do, say you're short the, uh, you know, the 35 calls, the put you buy is usually under 35, you know, somewhere, 33, 32. I mean, they don't mind a little room in there, but you, you basically will still want protection because there's nothing that says, you know, you can only get down 10, 15 bucks in a day when you, when you essentially tell people you're going to be protected is one thing you need to do is be protected, right? You don't, you don't say you're going to have insurance on somebody's house and then go a week without it and, and assume that's the week you won't get the fire. I mean, you're not going to do that. So, but I said, you know what? These things are, are they're down, they're so, let's just, let's just buy puts further above the call strike. And so we did. And now, uh, today we're at the point where if we want to go lower, we're actually short. So it won't go any lower. We've got <laughs> come right to the spot. It won't go any lower. We know that. But, uh, a, but the people who, we have a core group that, Brennan, they, they must watch TV, they must, whatever, but they're all over these big stocks. I mean, these, this NVIDIA, this Amazon, if you listen to this guy Kramer, I mean, I, I'm not going to say anything disparaging, but didn't he name his dog NVIDIA or something? He's one of your buddies, isn't he? Is he one of your, uh, your favorite guys to I, follow? I cannot fathom. Maybe because, he, he does his best to be unregistered, and I am registered. So, even if I wanted to do what he does, I can't. But I don't want to. You, you, you say this stuff with these stocks. Nobody, nobody knows enough to make that kind of a rep- recommendation. I don't care if you, if you know the owner, if you know. I mean, he and Eddie Lambert were big buddies. Eddie Lambert was a Sears Kmart disaster. Sears, yep. And uh, what, what did he say? As long as Eddie Lambert's involved, you, you need to buy it, no matter what it is. I think went out worthless, Brendan. I mean. I, w- I would have real problems telling people to do something like that and having to think about where I, you know, so I don't. I mean, I, if I don't know, I don't say. I mean, uh, anyway. So, but my, but we have all kinds of people that are all over this. I mean, this Apple is not a stock anymore. It's a religion. And you know what? I remember when Sony was religion. I remember when AT&T was religion. And you know what? None of them worked out so hot. I'm not, I'm not saying to get rid of Apple or anything like that. I'm just saying, it's a stack. It's an investment. Tim Cook doesn't care about you. You know, when you don't think it's an investment anymore, just get out or whatever. Go somewhere else. I mean, am I wrong? Am I being too harsh here or what? No, I think that's a valuable point. You know, you know, so it reminds me is, uh people that are fanatic Bear fans, <laughs> you know, or something. Mm-hmm. Bears don't care about you. Football is an entertainment. It's a, it's a reason to get together with somebody and have a beer. It's terrific. It's fun to watch, but that's all it is. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, if they lose, it doesn't matter to your life, does it? I mean, at all. I say this to people yep. all the time. I'm like, whenever someone's like, oh, I can't believe we did that. I'm like, first of all, fool, you did nothing. Yeah, well, <laughs> they used to say in the trading floor, wh- wh- who's we? You got a mouse in your pocket? I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm like, how did you participate? I told him to, I told him not to make that run. Yeah, cause he heard you. Yeah. <laughs> I, all right, so I don't get it. So, Brian, we have the, uh, consumer price index today, which, it's predicted to be 1.1 on the month, which is pretty darn high. And if you look at the uh, headline on, on uh, CNBC today, White House expects inflation to be extraordinarily elevated in this new report. What does that mean? What is extraordinarily elevated? I mean, it's higher than the projections are <laughs> that they've been willing to admit so far. What are we going to do if we get like a one and a half? I mean, we're not even we're not even talking about the uh, the real number for housing here. Uh, you know, because what's housing? It's all, I'm going to dig this up here probably in a minute. CPI thing. Real housing is what on the year? I'll dig it out right now while we're while we're talking. Um, 
the what are we going to do if we get like a one and a half number? Is it going to be that bad? I mean, it's, it's well, you know, in, inflation is the, probably the number one issue right now in the country um, from an American standpoint. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of things around the world that uh, are on an equal footing, but it seems like everybody here that I know about is concerned most about inflation and gas prices. Well, how, uh, prices. how is it, Brennan, you and I have been doing the show now for what? Four or five years, we 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 were talking about it when you couldn't you couldn't get anybody to talk about it. I was already here. Mm-hmm. Now, how all of a sudden is this? How, how did it just? You know, another trading floor. Thanks for the flash, Gordon. I mean, how could this? How is this all of a sudden a flash? It's been here since two thousand and seven, maybe even two thousand. If even if all you had to do is look. That's right. How did? Was well, it, we have been talking about that the hidden cost, the hidden inflation that aren't reflected in the numbers because the way they calculate inflation, it's been there for a long time. Um, why all of a sudden it was, is it just because it made it to gasoline and, and food or what? Well, I think those are the most obvious uh, things that people focus on, um, and you know, real estate market has also brought part of this into it too. It's not just gas and, and food prices, but the real estate market is it, it's been you know, hot for a lot of folks to to sell because of what happened with COVID pandemic, where people are buying property. So it, it's hitting them on all fronts right now. Well, the uh, here's the owner's equivalent rent of primary residence year over year is four point three percent. Now that's essentially the cost of home ownership line, and here, here's the rent. Rent of primary residence is up four point two percent in the year. Now I think anybody with a brain knows that those numbers are they should be what three times higher, four times higher. Well, I, certainly, certainly in places like Chicago, the, the rental fees have been going up considerably for the last two or three years on an annual basis. And, uh, and even now, home prices are, are starting to skyrocket. It's, it's, everybody's trying to get their homes now before interest rates go up higher. Um, so yes, I, 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 it's at least double or triple what they're showing. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, Maybe it's you tell me because you're about the same age. Um, is it is it just the fact that you and I have long memories? I mean, we're we're we should be paying people to understand a little bit of the history of what they're what they're doing. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna hire a guy to be the head of your sewer system, the guy should at least read up on the last flood and what caused it, right? It, it's right. Not, I mean, I don't I don't. Um, I've said this a bunch of times, but Audrey, and I, of course, had this discussion in 2007, Audrey, my significant other, because I, I came across one of the listeners sent it in, so I didn't find it, was a study, Brendan, regarding uh, housing prices at the time, 2007, which were about two, 235, the mean house, median house, sorry, uh, and that the in order to, to own that home, you needed $85,000 a year in income. And how it got to the point where uh, only 15% of the population in 2007 earned over 85000 And they went through a whole list of different uh, uh, occupations and how much they all made. And basically the bottom line is 15% of the population could afford the median home, which is an absolute recipe for disaster by any stretch. And yet, you know, something, but to, to today... If you talk to anybody that has, and people that are smart, they're going to say the reason why 2007 happened 
was because people were flipping homes and people were getting mortgages they weren't supposed to. They totally leave out the part about the prices that were too friggin' high. And oh, by the way, uh, people were borrowing money in Japan to buy mortgage-backed securities here and getting a four-point spread, and the Fed was totally oblivious to that. So those are the, those are the absolutely the two reasons. There might have been some people that didn't deserve a mortgage in there somewhere, but it has nothing to do with the Hispanic or the black guy getting a mortgage he shouldn't have got. I mean, it virtually nothing to do with that. And yet, you you can't you can't tell that story in a bar and get anywhere, can you? Yep, I I agree with you. It was a lot more complicated than just people getting mortgages that they didn't deserve. And you just pointed out a lot of those those points that. Uh, it was a lot more. You know, one of the mortgage-backed security concepts was was critical to the downfall of the market in 2007, eight, and nine, um, and and overpriced securities. You know, it, it's it's kind of like a, a good idea gone bad. Well, and now today, <laughs> the idea of the mortgage-backed securities first came out was a good idea, and so it wasn't because it was overflowed of the market with with bad portfolios. Well, that that ended up being the way to do mortgages. Because the last time the Fed totally bleeped up was in the 70s and 80s, and the, and the fix was to put the mutual, the mutual, uh, you call it, the uh, a savings and loan business out of business, which we still have trying to find ways to recover from. I think. Yep. <coughs> All right. So right right now today, as of last week, I read uh, several things that now the the median home is up to 406. From the 235 in 2007, which if you string together the math, the mortgage rates are a little bit lower. So if you needed 85 grand at 235, let's say it's, it's, uh, 375. I don't, I don't quite think the median home is up to 406, but those are what, that's what the studies show. So let's say the price of the home is now up 50%. Do you think that in 15 years that the, uh, more or less people than 15% now make, which would, that would be 130 per year. I'm going to say less than 15% make 130 a year. In this I country. agree with you. <coughs> I agree with you. That the, the number of people making 130,000 a year is significantly lower than it was. Uh, those who made 85,000 in 2007. So I'm going to say 9%, 10, that, that'll be generous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now you've got, 10% of your population being able to afford the median home. And this was mm-hmm. this was 15 years ago, Brendan. And these people that ru- that run this stuff think they know what they're doing. Just listen to them, they'll tell you. How, how could how could we possibly bleep up this fast in 15 years again? All politics is local. People people in both parties <coughs> are trying to accommodate their constituent base and it's the American dream to have a house. And so it's it's trying to make policies that allow people to have a house. And everybody doesn't just want a house. They want the castle on the hill because, of course, they deserve it. Oh, yeah. Without, underlooking, without looking at the, the underlying costs for, for maintenance, for taxes, for, for just general upkeep in the neighborhood. Um, then I'll go into the, the cost of buying a house and what they're making, what they're earning on a month, on an annual basis to support their, their desires. The, uh, did you, uh, by the way, did you have you done any snooping in the in the census that just got released? No, I haven't. Uh, our friend uh, John Flanagan is really good at it, so so 
if you, if, you, if you feel like you want to snoop, just ask John to snoop for you. He does it like two minutes because you, you got it all figured out, right? Uh, just to change, and I looked at my my Irish family. Of course, he's sending me you know pictures of his family's houses and stuff. And uh, so I looked at my my Irish family. They lived at Fiftieth uh, and Morgan, back of the yards. Not not a good neighborhood. Well, it was a fine neighborhood. It just was not it was not a, a rich neighborhood by any stretch. There, the the more well to do Irish lived in visitation, right? And uh, the ones right. that weren't so well to do lived in St. John the Baptist. Well, I, I had no idea since everybody died so young on that side of the family that in 1940, because John went back, we've got the 50 to 40 to 30 and the 20, right? In the 1940 census, I remember, well, that's where I lived my first two years or three years of life, uh, was, was with my aunt and her son and my father and my mother. And uh, so, because that was their, the house that they owned. And uh, it was a very small frame bungalow. I mean, you know, the, the brick ones are bigger. This this was pretty small with a coal-fired furnace, the three little bedrooms, the living room, dining room was small, and then this kitchen and a little pantry, right? I mean, they, how many of them in the city are like that, like nine zillion? And uh, they had my grandmother and grandfather lived there, the three kids, and her, her gram, grandma's mother and father. There's seven people lived in this place, Brennan. With one bathroom, no shower, and a, and a, claw, and a one of those claw-footed toilet or uh, tubs. How the okay. hell? And, and I'm sure they were happy. <laughs> this was okay. I mean, can you imagine today? Anybody? I mean, if, if you, if you and I, I don't think that that you could live there by yourself. It wouldn't be enough room, let alone being married today. You're probably right. You'd say, "What am I? What am I doing here?" Okay, one one for an office. One's a closet. One's a small bedroom. This <laughs> this place is. Yeah, but I can't tell the difference. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, and now all of a sudden, like you say, everybody's got to have the castle on the hill. For I mean, up by Audrey in that, that area, these house, these houses, Brennan, are so darn big. Plus, the house that went for a million dollars twelve years ago. What do you suppose the replacement value is at today's prices? It's got to be one eight two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, uh, before I have to ask you though, I'm having Mayor Keith uh, Peacow from uh, Orland on in the last half hour of the show today, so it should be fun. And he's running for uh, Congress in the sixth district. Uh, uh-huh. First of all, if you have anything you want me to ask him, please let me know. Have you have you been able to? Because it's, it's very difficult to do, by the way, or at least for me, because maybe it's just a dumbo. Uh, have you checked out some of the differences in these districts? From the old map to the new map, I haven't over. I haven't not looked at an overlay. Although your favorite district, the earmuffs are gone. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. Even the fourth or the fifth. Yeah, the earmuffs. The earmuffs are gone because they they have the new Latino heavily third district, <clears throat> which is one causing a lot of controversy right now. But uh, they're and of course you know they they have people like uh, Sean Caston and um, what's your name um, Newman going against each other in what used to be the 6th District. So it's a really interesting map. and um, But I have not looked for the overlay to see what used to be there and what, what's there now. What, what Brennan is talking about, the Earmuff District, this was Luis Gutierrez. Is, it, is that fi- 5 or 4? I, well, I think it was 4. I think it's 4. And now it's uh, it's Chewy, right? Chewy Garcia? Yeah. <laughs> well, if you look at the district now, there's... There's a big Hispanic, well, there was a big Hispanic population, obviously, in, in Pilsen. And there was another one on the north side. So, they drew a, so this, this district in, encompasses the south side Pilsen area, 
goes all the way west, and between the tri-state and uh, I-90, there's a strip of land down the middle where nobody lives. It's like the median. That's the contiguous part till it gets to the north side, and then it runs down Belmont for like a block to the Hispanic area on the north side. So it connects the two. It used to. It, if you looked at it, you go, "This, this must this map must be wrong." But but it was well, it, it was accurate. <laughs> I don't know if it was wrong or not. Uh, so you're saying that that's broken up now? Yeah, that's that's gone. Your months are gone. Um, and it, it, the other interesting thing about that was that when they formed that, it was supposed to be a majority Latino <laughs> for demographic purposes, but it connected a primarily Mexican community with the primarily Puerto Rican community, right? Um, which made for some very interesting politics there. Well, Not also, all Latinos are homogeneous. Well, uh, first of all, for how can I say this politically correctly? It's, it's most white people. Well, of course, I don't know what the people think of white people, but uh, mo- most white people think everybody who looks Hispanic is Mexican. Well, there's a big difference. Just asking between Puerto Rico people, from Puerto Rico people from Mexico. It's like don't tell somebody from Vietnam he's Chinese. You know, you know, right. that's not that's not what you want to do. Or don't or don't tell somebody from Japan. Don't make the typical white man's mistake. Yeah, don't make the typical white man mistake. And yeah, a lot of uh, do you speak Mexican? Yeah, I get that sometimes, and I'm uh, like, no, I speak Spanish. Yes. Like, What's the difference? And I'm like, Mexican is a, a nationality. Yes, and no. then they still don't get it. No, they don't get it. It's just too many fancy words, Tom. Yeah, oh well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but anyway, the 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 sixth district, which this uh, gentleman is running for, when I when I Audrey tells me, Audrey's a big fan. He's you know, mayor of Orland. You know, he did a very good job at keeping the place open for COVID. Basically flipped off Pritzker on many occasions, and he's very popular. And uh seems like a pretty good guy. Anyway, so I asked him on, and he's coming out. So, or actually, Audrey asked him on, and he's coming out. So, uh but his, I'm sitting on, I looked at the old map, Brandon, and I'm going, why the hell would the guy run for this? It's the, because the old 6th District didn't really have any of Orland in it. I'm thinking, maybe, is he moving? What's he doing? It really was kind of Homer Glen all the way through up to Barrington. It was this really weird-looking thing. Well, evidently, the new map is got all of Orland in it. It only goes as far as Elmhurst, nowhere near as far as Barrington. It's like a totally new area. And I think he saw yeah, an opportunity. That's true, that is true for a lot of the districts. Well, I mean, Orland is now, he, he's right in the middle of it. And I, I couldn't imagine why he would have run for the old map, but now I saw the new map and I'm going, well, it's, now sense. I know why he's running. <laughs> it, it's, it's his hometown, for God's sake. So, uh, how, 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 are every one of them changed like that or just a couple? Uh, a lot of them have changed dramatically. So, I mean, the old number, well, I mean, I go back to the days where I think the third congressional district was being Marty Russo out in the southwest side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's long gone. <laughs> well, he run- uh, but, uh, they, they change, the numbers change, and the, the boundaries change a lot, especially this year since we lost a seat in Congress. Well, then, who was the who was the other Italian American gentleman that was the uh, representative from the district right next to Marty? Uh, I forget. I forget the guy's name. Well, the t- one of the districts got lost because we we ended up uh, without we dropped a seat again. Right, this is back in God knows what twenty five years ago. And these two guys were best friends. They ended up having to run against each other. Marty, who was the other guy? Marty Russo ran again. He's a big buddy of my cousins, Marty Russo. He was one of the kind, kind guys. <coughs> was, did you know, you know a lot of those kind, yeah, kind guys. The other yeah. guy, well, there was another, another <laughs> I can't remember who that guy was. And the yeah, other guy I won. I, I, I don't, I don't, 
I don't think I don't think they're friends to this day if they're still alive to running against each other. When they were like best buddies before. Um, but how, how, how does the state determine? They, they tell Illinois, okay, you're losing a district. Who determines what district you lose? I mean, uh, the state legislature. The somebody the draws up a map and draws the map, so they can reconfigure all of the districts. But instead of having eighteen districts to to divide up, they now have seventeen. That's why the numbers and the boundaries can change. And, uh, the do change. But who is? I mean, you and I can't get that level of detail on how many people live per block. Something that obviously is out there someplace. Yeah, the, <clears throat> the state legislature, uh, which coincidentally used to be a guy by the name of Mike Madigan, was critical, and guys like he and Casper were able to get all the materials to divide up the state. And you look to see, um, you know, this may sound cynical, but some of the allegations have been for, for political parties over the years. So that you look to see where your votes are, and you you make the most use of how you divide the uh, the votes up. Hence, things like the earmark yeah. district from the last census district. All right, Brandon, we got a dash, buddy. But uh, this is a, this was a topic you and I could spend quite a while on. And I think it's pretty interesting. You take care of yourself. SP Futures. Now up two and a quarter, Nasdaq futures up 11. Last night they were down, but they've managed to creep above even here. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, 
Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, and jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everyone. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tamal Eliani on the board. SP futures up four. NSA futures up nineteen. This is after a horrendous day yesterday. If you were long, I guess it was a good day if you were short. But I don't know too many people that are short. But there are some. Uh, the Dow futures are, are unchanged, believe it or not. So, uh, yeah, this is we're, we're kind of we're, we're waiting anxiously for these uh, CPI numbers. Uh, Nikkei down four eighty six, one point eight percent. Now they weren't down as much as the rest of the guys in China yesterday. They were all, other people in China were down like three percent, and Nikkei was not. So they were kind of catching up. Shanghai up forty six, one point five percent. They were down like two point nine or something the day before. Hang Seng is up one ten point five percent. They were down over three percent. The other day, so their day had not caught up uh, at all. Over in Europe, we had the DAX down 134. That's a full 1%. FTSE down 39.5%. Kick around down 35.6%. We have review of this butt ugly yesterday. Uh, Dow Jones was down 413. S&P down 75, which is 1.7%. NASDAQ down 299, which is another 2.2%. So some of these, these companies, I looked just in Microsoft in the last three weeks, I got that, those things down, those guys down 460 billion dollars in market cap. I mean, it's a, it's getting, uh, it's getting rough for some of these areas. I mean, uh, Apple made it down to, uh, uh, 157, then went way back up to 180, and now they're back down to 165. So, I think, uh, I mean, I think people who wanted to get out had their, had a second chance, and, uh, I'm not saying it won't go right up from here, it sure could, but, you can't say you didn't have another chance, that's for sure. A 10-year unchanged, 2.78. A blend up two uh, basis points at 0.83. Japan unchanged at 0.24. Uh, we've got oil up 366, but still under 100, 97.95. Well, take a big tumble. Is, well, coincidentally, with the stuff coming out of the uh, uh, strategic oil reserve, I don't know if that was all of, all of it or the timing was just right. Uh, Brent up 418, back over 100 at 102.66. Natural gas up a dime. 674 in this natural gas. That's really unbelievable. Uh, our Bob, uh, up, up, uh, six cents to 306. We've got gold, which is way up yesterday morning and then came back flying down during the day. It's gonna try it again today. Up 1070, 1958. Silver up 17 cents, 2516. Copper up 3 cents, 467. And we've got crypto. Uh, the bit, Bitcoin is, uh, up 328 at 40,365. Quite a bit lower than 44,000 at top down on like last Thursday. Now, Leanne, what do you got for us, Travis Weather Sports? I got all kinds of stuff here, for God's sake. Yes, you do. Good morning, everyone. Thanks, Chief. Currently 6.36 a.m. on April 12th. Let's start with sports. We've got a couple games to look forward to today. In um, baseball, the White Sox will be playing the Mariners tonight at, oh, sorry, today at 3.10. And the Diamondbacks will be playing the Astros tonight at 8.40. In hockey, Blackhawks will be playing the, the Kings tonight at 7.30. 
and Coyotes will be playing the New Jersey Devils tonight at 9 o'clock. Looking at weather today in Chicago, we actually have some beautiful weather. Currently sitting at 50 degrees, the city is glowing, the sun is out, we got a high of 64, and the lowest we get to is 50 today. Looking at Phoenix, currently a sunny 65, going to have cloudy skies later in the day with a high of 75, a low of 48. Looking at traffic this morning, nothing too bad, thankfully no accidents to report. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between the 294 North Tri-State Ramp and Central Avenue. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between the I-190 West Ramp and Lawrence. Traffic eastbound on 94 between West North Avenue and Canal Port. Intermittent traffic westbound on 94 between 113th and West Marquette. And again between 47th and West Ontario. We have traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and South Kedzie. Traffic northbound Lakeshore between 55, the 55 North Ramp and East Randolph. And traffic southbound on Lakeshore Drive between Chicago Avenue and East Balboa Drive. Back to you, Chief. We have Mr. Joel. Good morning, Chief. How are you, buddy? Good. Can we talk sports today? Yeah, let's talk some sports. There's other stuff. Uh, we're going to be talking inflation the rest of the time. So, yeah, let's talk sports. What are you, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? I'm, I'm hearing that, like, Jawan to the Lakers is almost a done deal. Really? His coach? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, well, first of all, you know it's going to be whoever LeBron wants it to be, right? Oh, yeah. Right, okay. So the other, what I'm hearing is the other viable candidate is uh, Nick Nurse, right? But they can't talk to him because he's still coaching. But here's the deal with LeBron and Jawan. You know where Jawan coached a lot, right? Um, actually, I don't uh, know. It's just when he was an assistant coach coming up through the ranks. Oh, he was at Cleveland. Was he Cleveland with uh, with uh, LeBron? Close. Miami. Okay. He was in Miami for a long time. They developed a good, you know, a good relationship. Um, and also, I think, um, a couple other things here. Uh, you know, LeBron wants to carry out his legacies. He, he also wants to play with his son, right? And his son is coming up through the ranks, right? So a younger coach, I mean, it's going to be hard for him to get his son. But here, here are the pieces. LeBron and Juwan already have a relationship, okay? Um, Rob Polinka, the general manager of the Lakers, is a Michigan man, okay? So he has contacts to Juwan. And... It just it makes perfect sense because Jawan will be able to run the team. It'll be a new young coach, right? They can eventually, you know, bring in Ronnie whenever he, you know, maybe he'll go to Michigan as part of the deal. And there's no reason to fire Frank Vogel. I mean, LeBron put the team together. He put together a bunch of old guys that ended up getting hurt, right? It wasn't it wasn't his fault the team was down this year. It's but they had a bunch of old guys. And, uh, you know, that stunt that Jawan pulled, uh, you know, against Wisconsin, I mean, that was just, you know, not becoming like a, of, a, of a Michigan man and a Michigan coach. So I wouldn't be all that disappointed if he was out of here and he went to the Lakers. And we got Phil Martelli, who coached um, St. Joe's, and he was the coach in the, uh, the games that uh, Jawan was out. And then we got two other assistants. We had one assistant that was offered the Western job, and he turned it down. So I think this has been going on for a couple years. This has been LeBron orchestrating things, and LeBron's going to get his man, and his man's going to be Jawan Howard. 
Why can't uh, do you think LeBron's ever heard of the the Peter Principle? The what principle? The Peter Principle. No, I don't explain that to me. Where you 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 rise to in any organization, you rise to the level of your incompetence. <laughs> no, I I think he's a competent basketball player. That's what I'm saying. He's a terrific yeah, I mean, basketball player. He is a, right, but, he's a great basketball player, but I, I just. Yeah, I don't. I see him orchestrating behind the scenes. That's what I'm saying. He he's a great basketball player. He is he has flunked general general manager 101 and putting his team together. Exactly, exactly. So he thinks he's a general manager, a, and he's that's not. That's here, chief. Well, that's uh, that uh, actually makes makes some sense. I, but I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, these guys want to hire the coach. They want to do everything else. Well, okay, maybe someday uh, LeBron might be a spectacular general manager, but. Right, right now, I'm not so sure that that's, you know, that putting together the pieces and all the other stuff. I mean, he's first of all, he's a real bright guy. It's not like he's, uh, oh, yeah. But uh, but I mean, it's he's. You wouldn't hire him to be GM tomorrow, but he thinks he is. No, no, Ben. You know, he's not going to Cleveland. He, you know, he's not going back there. He has his nice house in L.A. and you know, there's rumors that he might go back and help the Cavs out. He ain't going nowhere. I mean, you know. That's just okay. You want uh, so that's my rant. I got that off my chest. You want to you want to talk any markets at all? Well, what do you think? How, how bad is how bad is this inflation number coming in? Even though we know it should be a lot worse. Oh man, I don't know, Chief. I mean, that's the matter. You know, like the unemployment number. We had crickets off it. I mean, inflation's here. The Fed's acting on it. Let's just hope it comes in line. You know, if it comes in in, in line. Or uh, you know, not as bad as expected. You're going to see a big old rally in the market, and well, then a Fed head is going to come out and say something else. So I don't know. I mean, it's here. I don't. I went. Even if I had a crystal ball, even if I knew what the number was, you know, how are you going to trade it? So I, I hope it. I hope it's benign, but I don't think it's going to. I don't. Uh, I, you've reached the point when you, when you, when you. How can I put this politically correctly, Joel? I probably can't. But in the job you have, whether it's president, whether it's Fed chairman, the people, even though we have a lot of critics in this world, including you and me, uh, we, the people are, are generally predisposed to believe you, even if you lie to them every friggin' month, okay? They, they're predisposed to believe you. And not to believe people like us to sit there and go, wait a minute, you know, this number looks a little light. I mean, I mean it looks like housing's going up. You know, fifteen percent. You guys got it at, at four. I mean, you're not even close. The problem you have with that, Joel, is is once you reach the point where you keep telling people there's no inflation, no inflation, they're not going to look like you and I and say there really is and be the voice in the wilderness that nobody wants to listen to. Now all of a sudden, they see it every day. It's in their face. So now if yeah, you start yeah. now if you start coming up with a number of you know point five percent or some crap. People, you're going to lose all credibility, and it's going to take you a decade to get it back. So, so you have to be real careful at this point that you don't keep lying because you're right in people's face. In my opinion, I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, or not. yeah. I mean, people don't understand the inner workings of the Fed and uh, you know the job voting and everything that we do. But you're right. You know, they go see it when they fill up the tank of gas. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 it's apparent. So. I, I mean, I'm, you know, you know me, you know, I'm a perma bear that, you know, tries to always take a, you know, a bullish angle. And my bullish angle would be, you know, that he was wrong on the transitory, you know, he was too slow, 
and now he's moving in the other direction and, you know, trying to be, you know, maybe he, maybe he's wrong in, you know, being this aggressive. So, why, why do either you, way, why do you, you say, know, that's what I'm hoping for. Why do you say that he is doing this so aggressively? Joel, they're up to they're up to point seven five percent. How's that? I mean, they're, they're talking a good game. At some point, you got to lay some on and do something, right? Yeah, they will. There's, there's a half coming down the pipe. Uh, you know, take a look at the Fed funds tool. I mean, you know, the market's holding. As long as the market doesn't collapse, they'll do a half. You oh. know, they're not data dependent; they're market dependent. And this rally is helping. You know, helping. Given that you know the uh, the leeway to go a half, the next Fed meeting I don't know, but they're they're, they're going to bump it up, and uh, you know they're going to have to put their <laughs> the interest rate where their mouth is, or else they're going to lose, like you said, credibility. Uh, you know, with with the market and with market participants. Well, did you uh, listen to it? I mean, I'm not a massive fan. I, mean, I, listen, I listen to everybody, but uh, your buddy Cooperman was that in last week? Yeah, yeah, and he said, you know. This is the only time in any history he's been going back. I've been doing back, going back and researching some of this too. And got all, all you have to do if you want to get yourself in a bad mood, Joel, is go look at this history and this stuff. He goes, we've never seen an, 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 a, the separation between an inflation rate and the interest rate. He goes, even before when we had when inflation started, inflation got to six percent. The interest rate was like five and a half. He goes, rarely does, does the inflation rate get higher than the interest rate. By any stretch, and he goes, "No, his inflation rates like over ten, and our interest rates are one." Because <laughs> we're not, we're not even on the planet. You know, these guys, all they do is talk. We, we said this, the interest rate should be like eight, and not a half going up. Maybe next month. Can't argue with it, Chief. So let's just hope we get a benign number here. And uh, you know, basis said, uh, you know, the S and P's. I, I heard you thought that was a bad day yesterday. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, got some work to do. I, you know, I'm looking at uh, looking at the June futures. I like to see it back over forty four, forty five. Uh, that's my number on the upside. And looks like we're getting a little running start today. Yeah, I think uh, so. On the downside, I don't like. There's not much under. Well, the pre market low we took out, but uh, we're above it now. Not much under that, Chief. So you take care, bud. You take, and you called it go first. Blue. You called it for go go blue to L A. It sounds like. Let's be future. Yeah, it is. See you later, Juwan. <laughs> okay. It's going to be Saudi Washington, Howard Isley, and Martelli, a mix of that. Oh, okay. good. We'll see what happens. SP Futures right, up four and a half. Nasdaq Futures up 21. Be right back, Mr. Kenny Paul Curry. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, 
or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamara Oliani and the Bore SP Futures up 475. NASA Futures up 25 bucks. Do we have Mr. Kenny? How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. You're going to explain explain to me, Lucy. Uh, White House White House expects inflation to be extraordinarily elevated. A new report. Could you put it? Isn't on? that interesting? Isn't that interesting that that that's what she came out and said yesterday, Jen Psaki? Did you see what she said? No, I I, I read this part. What else did she say? Well, she blamed you know. I guess she blamed it on Putin. She blamed it on you know the Russian. Uh, uh, the, uh, what he's done to prices of oil and why that's such an issue, but they're working hard to bring prices down. I mean, it's almost comical that uh, that, that's the tactic taking, right? That they're taking their responsibility for any of it. Um, and yet, you know, now they're trying to calm the market. They're saying, look, we know it's going to be tough. You know, it's out there. We know price is going to be high, but that's the price we all have to pay uh, for what's going on in the world today. So I, I'm not sure how investors are going to react to it. You know, market futures were. Weaker overnight, they turned a little bit uh, positive this morning. I think they're just almost a little, they're up to a little bit flat this morning as it awaits uh, the extent of that report. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you fired up early here. Uh, just <laughs> you're, you're not you're, you're, you're you you are you're always going to be the national reporter and the man that everyone wants to talk to. But Kenny Polkary, inside, would you rather have her? Be that stupid or lie to you? <laughs> Would I rather have them be that stupid? Is that what you meant? No, the, the lady said, said the lady said it was given the, the story. It was, she's the new uh, Fed vice chair. Is that the one you're talking about? No, no, the one who's giving up the story was Jen Psaki, right? The uh, the press secretary. Okay, I okay. Mean, little Brainerd came out last week. Then now notice everyone on the Fed is now singing the same aggressive tune, right? Now they've all gone to the aggressive side saying that, you know, we have to act faster, that the Fed needs to reduce the balance sheet faster. Meanwhile, six months ago they were telling everybody, you know, don't look at the pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. There's nothing wrong here. And now they've all jumped to the other side, which is interesting. Um, but all that says is, you know, we all we have all known what's happening and the fact that, you know, the, the people in the Fed have been you know, telling us not to worry that we didn't know what we were talking about is, is frustrating for sure. Um, but now they're caught behind the eight ball, and now today's report is really going to is really going to seal the deal. What are they going to do? 
Is it going to be four fifty basis point rate hikes? Look, the market's now pricing in three percent Fed funds by December. That's up from two seventy two fifty two seventy five earlier in the year. So the market's already pricing in you know higher rates for sure, higher than what even they told us, right? Well, Kenny, how do we even how do we even people like us? And I'm gonna I'm gonna once in a while you got to give give ourselves a compliment. How do even people like us uh, get caught in this trap? Of interest rates when it's when it's really, it, it, I guess it's it has to do with interest rates, but it's really not interest rates. It has to do with federal spending and how much right. of this, how much of the. I mean, I, I just uh, I've left it at home, of course, again, like a moron. Uh, Audrey, one of the listeners. Those that are listeners to you, and she didn't. By the way, the listener likes listening on Tuesday because you're here. Uh, gave her this. Study of this economics guy, though I gotta get on her. Of course I forgot his name. Uh, it has to do with, it's all about, and he went through the whole history of inflation and the times we've had it in this country. It all has to do with basically money supply. And, and, and the reason, reason when it comes, I mean, you know this, but the, it's how much of federal spending is, is financed, is financed by new money. Cause he, he said the most, the most, all companies finance by new yeah. money, right? No, no. He, he says you either got if you're going to spend money at the federal level. And you and I have talked about this a yeah. hundred times. You either got to tax it, you got to borrow it, or you got to print it. And well, that's right. And so they're yeah. doing all three. Well, but taxing it, borrowing, and printing it. Right, but his point is, as and he's not talking about today's. He said even in the Civil War, the difference between the North and the South and the, how their currency reacted is the North had a pretty good economy and actually was able to borrow. Uh, a lot of money from people and, and raised excise taxes and raised tariffs. They only really had to print 10 or 12% of the money for fighting the war. We had to, yeah, did. But, but the South, so our inflation rate got to be like 15%, which isn't horrible during a war. And the South was just the opposite. They had to print like 40% and their currency was worthless. And I mean, right now, our guys have to say, if you're going to have a a transportation program, whatever you want to call it, and, you're, and it's a trillion dollars, you better find a way to tax or borrow that trillion dollars without having the Fed. It, it has nothing to do really with the, the Fed. It has to do with government, and the Fed is just a tool. Yes, I agree. They're going to find it difficult ways, right? Actually, I think they're doing it all three ways. They're taxing, um, they're borrowing. And the Fed continues to print money, right? They're trying to get the Fed to stop, or the Fed's trying to stop, but that hasn't happened yet. Right. Well, in the last year, that they 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 were three were what three trillion dollars in the hole. Yeah. And the Fed printed virtually a trillion of it. So the Fed the Fed is thirty three percent of the over the overage, which is damn near what the South was. <laughs> The Civil War. Look what happened to them. It's it's not about nudging the interest rate a quarter percent. It's about how you're financing the place, right? Which just happens to spit out in terms of interest rates. Yeah, that's right. It's, it, that's right. It spits out in terms of interest rates. But listen, ultimately, if interest rates is going to drive what happens next, right? it's going to drive borrowing costs up, as we know. We've already seen that happening. And you and like I said, you I think the last time. What I think is really interesting is that no one's really talking about what it's going to do to revolving credit, to HELOCs that are, you know, interest only that, that, that will, that will change as interest rates change, as those payments go up, that's going to further strain the consumer. And then you talk about rising mortgage rates and what that's going to do to housing prices, whether they crash or whether they just stop going up. 
and kind of stabilize um, is going to create a new dynamic. So it's going to be very interesting, and that's why you know people say, oh, you know, if you think this is over yet, no, I think the market is still under pressure because I think it has to reprice the ever-changing interest rate outlook because it's like anything, right? They, the valuation will depend on on where else you can invest money, and at what point are interest rates going to start to challenge um, investor dollars? Is it three percent? Is it three and a half percent? I think it's you know three percent or better is where you're going to start to see yeah. more a more challenge to investor dollars. And so I think the market, I think the path of least resistance continues to be a little bit lower. But I'm not saying you know like the place on fire and bail out. I'm just saying understand that. Okay, I think from what I do, uh, you know, managing people's money. Uh, especially yeah. not so much the, the people that I get, but the people I get from other places. Um, yeah. There, if if you're paying, if you're if you're a clearing firm, wherever you happen to be using, when I say a clearing firm or Merrill Lynch, or if 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 those people, I mean, with us it would be either RBC or uh, uh, World Bank Canada. If it was if it was our, it was those people were paying three three and a half percent, you wouldn't be under dramatic pressure. That if somebody has a million dollar account and you got like forty grand in cash, they're calling you up and saying, "What about my forty? You got to get in the market." Uh, right. I mean, I mean, it wasn't the same. Nobody want to sit with a million in cash at three, three and a half percent. But but there would the the urgency to have every nickel invested by this afternoon would be gone if people were getting something decent. Exactly right. And so therefore, you're right. So you're going to put that money into trade that's more stable and offers stability for your account. So does that challenge the argument about where you put those investment dollars, right? So that's all I'm saying. And so when you talk about the market coming under pressure, I'm not, neither of us are surprised, uh, and I'm not going to be surprised. It continues to come under some pressure just, you know, I think through the summertime. I think once we get through the summer and it becomes clear that maybe it's, um, uh, not going to be this dramatic slowdown yet. The recession is still coming, but it's still a ways away. I think the market will stabilize. I, uh, I'm gonna next week. Kenny, we hopefully have a couple more minutes. Um, I'm gonna let's have let's have our our usual debate. I think that the the recession is already here for at least eighty percent of the population. Yeah, well, I would agree with you. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that I I have been here. By the way, yeah, right? well, yeah, well, I agree. Uh, Although not officially, as far as the government's concerned, there is no recession. But I would agree with you. I think that most people are um, are experiencing it in one way or another. Well, given the amount of money they poured in, and the recession is is always on just nominal dollars, can there even ever even be a recession with with the amount of money that's in the place? Well, you know, I, I guess that's an interesting argument, but I got to tell you, I think that in order to, in order to fix this. Then, and, and they keep saying no, but I think they have to force us into a recession in order to in order to get this under control. The same way they did once again back in 1982, when you know inflation was 13 percent and rates were 21 percent. Uh, next next week, let's put it on our, our list. Eliana will do that because she remembers everything. Let's let's debate that. I don't know that Volcker had to do it the way he did it. I think he could have taken well, a longer period of time to do it and kept maybe well, saved half the savings yeah. and loans. He could have done a better job, I think. I well, listen, he might have, but remember when he did, when he made that announcement on August 17th, 1982, it was the birth of the greatest bull market that this country in the world has ever known. Uh, that's the truth. I was on the floor that day. It was, yes, so was I. That's, that's so right. Was I. Hey, don't, let's we not be... talk about that. That's actually a great story. Oh, absolutely. Let's, let's, not, let's not be dating ourselves that way. <laughs> Take care of yourself. 
<laughs> you know what? A lot of your younger listeners who, who did not experience it, they should really understand. That was such an amazing moment in history. Oh, God, yeah. I remember the, the stack that led us out of the wilderness, we got a dash, was the Eastman Kodak, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take care of yourself, buddy. We got to go. SP Future is up five and a quarter. Nasdaq Future is up thirty seventy five. Be right back with Professor Hal Snarr. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. We have Eliani on the board. S&P futures are up four and a half. Nancy was up 27 because we're, we're carrying, we're, uh, rearing our ugly head here after a big horrible day yesterday. And actually we were down, uh, last night. Uh, but we're looking ahead of this inflation report. Do we have the professor? Yep. I'm here, Tom. How are you, buddy? I'm uh, doing alright. Um, <laughs> I did to go through in the morning last night, so. What are you doing? Working? Are you like, uh, paving your driveway or like, uh, professor work or what are you doing? Professor work. I was working on a assignment for one of my classes. Um, it's a programming assignment for an analytics class. So. I have, so. So that's, uh, that'll be a class I would get my, my usual F in, uh, programming for. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of above my pay grade, bud. Hey, I'm stuck with all these professors we got. We got Professor Hal, we got Professor Russell, we got some oh, yeah, Kevin, what the hell? Yeah, what uh what, what you know, all, all kinds of dudes. I'm just like the the guy sitting in the Bob Euchre seats yelling down to the guys on the field. You guys, <laughs> what uh what, what's going on, man? I uh what what uh 
They're, they're, the White House is talking about a, what, what, what's the term they use? Let me grab it here. Extraordinary elevated number we're going to see here today. What is well, uh, I've been saying it for a long time. Um, the, the pandemic, you know, the supply chains and, you know, Trump's uh, response to the pandemic turning trillion dollars of money we didn't have and then Biden follows up with, I think, even more money. Yeah. And the Senate has been supporting this nonsense, right? And, yeah, Tom, honestly, this is not a religious lesson. This is a circle lesson. But Joseph in Egypt, that story tells it all, man. Oh, yeah. They create famines. They create scarcity. And politicians, especially dictators like Putin, and he in China, I believe we live in a constant state of fear. And those fears lead them to make really, really bad decisions. And Pharaoh in Egypt feared a famine, and monopolized the food supply, killed the planet, and it confiscated, probably, I think at the time, Egypt was 80% agricultural, and they probably took 40 to 50 percent of that grain, which meant farmers had less grain to grow, to plant, and sow. And I think that fear of a famine in his dream is what led to the famine because of the actions he took. Joseph was selling that grain on behalf of the Pharaoh. And the first year, you know, the, the, if you look at the Bible as a spiritual darkness, that first year of the famine, the Jewish people gave up their land to buy the uh, grain from the state. The next year, they gave up the cattle. And the third year, they sent away and became slaves of Egypt. And I'm telling you, man, that is the story we're living under. Government is creating this famine. They're creating these shortages. What um, right? you are... I don't know if that explains it. I mean, I, and I don't think I don't think it's unintentional. I think this is all intended. They, they can't be this dumb. Have you been uh, have you been listening to my my increasingly conspiratorial rants lately? That I, uh, uh, I if, if I had time, I would. But you know, I got the four kids. And yeah, and is destroying us over here, man. My paycheck is not going very far at all. It is crazy, man. Yeah, well, you've got the well, the you know, the triplets. Nobody said you had to be that potent. <laughs> well, I'm not going to Home Depot anymore. I'm not going to Lowe's anymore. I'm going to Walmart to get groceries, man, and going to gas station Costco. At Costco here in Utah, gas prices are 20 cents a gallon cheaper. So I'm spending a lot of time at Costco. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just I, I don't I don't think this is unintentional. I, I no longer believe that these are unintended consequences. Um, I think I think somebody pulling the strings in the background. It's got some nefarious uh, I, uh, objectives. I'm, I'm stunned to hear somebody actually learned saying the same thing that I've been saying. And I sometimes yeah. when I say it, I wonder if it's just to get other people to think or whether I really believe it. But I will. Uh, I will. Um, have you seen? Have you seen what's going on in China and Shanghai? Yeah, it's crazy. There, there are people who are starving to death in the richest city in China. People are starting to, they can't go to the store. They're singing from their freaking apartment. Yeah. It's, uh, 
there's well, another. Want Jill COVID. I'm not sure if they want Jill COVID. I think they want complete and utter conformity. I would, that's I would what agree. they want. They want conformity. And they want the same thing in the state. I mean, right now, the, the COVID is, and it's, it's blew through here real heavy between like Christmas and second week of January. Yeah. Everybody who, who didn't have it before, and even some people who did, uh, ended up with the new variant. And you know what? It was, they had a rough week, like it was a bad cold, and, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure some yeah. people had issues, but by and large, I mean, uh, is he gonna lock the place down for the common cold, too? But hey, I got a question, you, you, I don't, I don't want to get off this topic you just brought me up to, yeah. right? Uh, you're, you're getting, please, please don't get as conspiratorial as me. I, as you know, I, I, I studied under, I studied under, it sounds like I'm not too promised, I'm not you, I'm telling you, I'm not I hate to say, you know, I studied under Milton Friedman, it makes me sound like I was a lot closer to the guy than I was. I had him for a class or two, I can't remember, and the class was price theory, but the guy always wanted to talk about the economy, and every time he spoke on campus, I went and listened to him, and I read most of his books, so I'm yeah. reasonably close, but I'm surely not you know, I'm not a PhD monetarist guy like he was or anything like that. But I'll say this, Hal. He, in my mind, I never know what was in the guy's mind, but in my mind, his thoughts were when the Fed messed up or when these people messed up, it was all about people not learning, not knowing, not seeing the history like he saw it. Uh, he had just written the monetary history of the United States, uh, and it was people not not being conversant on the history and that's why they made these quote mistakes and if they just would listen or would read more or would study what he did they would turn their bus around and they would do it the right way and there was never any question of I mean he's a professor like you but I mean it was never any question that the Fed might actually be doing this for a nefarious purpose Uh, but now and Burns and him were uh, pretty aligned I think yeah. I had to become an official, right? Yeah. And, and I, did not follow Milton Friedman's uh, recommendations at all. No. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, now that I've seen it happen time after time, we were talking about people are in positions where we just went through this 15 years ago. We're not talking about me giving Civil War history where you really got to dig to yeah. find it. We're talking about everybody should know. It was, in, it was yeah. in any sort of position of power or, or decision-making you should know just out of memory what happened in 2007. You don't need to be a, a Friedmanite scholar to realize, yeah. you know, the housing prices versus the income and why it, why it caused this. But I mean, you, I mean, this thing. I don't know if you look at this. Uh, if you if you didn't, I'll ruin your day even more. Did you look at? You ever look at the? My brother gets me on this because Dan, uh, he met him when he, he when you were here. He he traded for yeah. in, a, in a corn pit, so he knows a lot more about the agriculture than I do. And he always looks at this. Uh, uh, what are the, the worldwide food stuff? Did you have you did you check this out this month? The, the cereal price index is up seventeen percent in one month. The vegetable yeah, can get worse. Yeah, the vegetable oil index is yeah. up twenty three percent in one month. We're talking about in parts of the world yeah. where people don't have any money. <laughs> I mean, this, I this is this is serious bleep. I mean, this is not. Yeah, think about this: Russia and Ukraine. What do they supply? Twenty twenty five percent of World grain supply. They also produce a significant portion of fertilizer. Yeah, and they're at war. Are they planting? Are they are they putting that seed in the ground? Seed the 
spring planting season this year? I'm thinking Ukraine probably, probably not. not. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, so, uh, it, it's gonna get, I think it's going to get worse. Honestly, I think it's going to get worse. But we were we were for to a certain extent uh, for our policymakers. This war is the most convenient thing that ever happened because they were oh, yeah. they were they were yeah. so deep in a hole anyway. It's just making yeah. it worse. I mean, right? It's, yeah. But it, it, we, we've been we've been pounding money into the system for twenty five years. Yeah, ever since I mean, it's clearly since two thousand and seven, but really since two thousand. Well, this is not just Biden's fault. This is Powell, Trump, and Biden. And Biden. Well, Biden. I mean, Trump. Trump was printing some serious money during the COVID pandemic. Yeah, oh yeah. With uh, Powell, right? I mean, they were they were in some serious deficits there. So this is this is just you know the uniparty. I call it the uniparty. That's why I'm a libertarian. I'm not, I'm not even a capital libertarian. I'm a little a libertarian because you know this, this is the unit, uniparty system that we have. Where the Democrats and Republicans play adversaries on TV, but right. the cameras are turned off, they probably have a two inch trumpet um, behind closed doors. Well, they're, yeah, they're they're splitting up the cash behind closed doors. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, the I had a I, mean, I had to get a load of this. I mean, aren't both parties uh, making money off the fact that they can trade it on this insider information? Oh yeah, we, I mean, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I've never seen yeah. it as, as dirty as it is now. Um, I, gotta, yeah. I mean, just the, the, the people are, or the people are, well, it's, I don't know anybody, everybody in the Senate or in the, in the matter of fact, after, after you, I'm going to have a guy on here who's running for uh, representative, and I think the guy's really clean. But I, uh-huh. I'm going I'm to ask him, what happens to people after three, four terms in there, they either leave disgusted or else it seems like they turn. <laughs> I mean, anyway, I, but I, I, so I get a call from a, a would-be client, and I don't think, he, I mean, he just was kind of kicking the tires, but um, the guy's talking about, Biden's the second worst president ever because look at this inflation. And I said, well, I'm not a big fan, but uh, I think you got to go back like, uh, you know, we, we got Trump, we got Obama. I mean, all these guys are pushing money in the system. Obama had 0% interest rate for his entire term. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, I mean, it's, I, it's okay. I'm so, at least going back to 2007 and probably even the last, last of the Bush years. And he, and he goes, yeah. he says the, and the worst president we ever had, and I said, don't, me, don't, don't tell me, let me guess, Jimmy Carter. Yeah, look at the inflation under that guy. And I said, well, first of all, you forget like the whip inflation now buttons when Jerry Ford was president. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. about it. I said, you forgot about Nixon's ways and right price controls. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. He said, well, well, good thing that Reagan hired Paul Volcker. I said, first, no, there you go. First of all, Carter. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Volcker. I mean, <laughs> But I mean, it's amazing how, how history could get, get totally blurred when you want it to, right? I mean, it's like, uh. Well, you know, if you're, if you're siloed into your social media on the right, and you're siloed into your social media on the left, which would probably include Twitter and Facebook, or you're siloed, and all you hear is right, uh, news stories, or all you hear is left news stories, because there's some serious sound going on. There's no, there's no real defense going on between these two no, groups of no. people. And that's what the people in power want, right? They styled us, and when you when you do that, people remember history in convenient ways, right? Well, it, it's uh, it's funny because I want to run this by you, being the professor. I, I of course I left it at home again, so I forgot the guy's name. But it's a it's an economic study that somebody essentially did a history of inflation in the U.S. in a pamphlet, and it's probably ten pages long. And he just goes through every every spot where there's inflation and every spot what caused it and I thought the Civil War stuff is, was absolutely spectacular, and 
and the guy basically he's a monetarist and uh you know and he says well you know it all comes down to when when you have periods where you're spending more money than you're taking in you know be it you know your keynesian expansion or whatever you want to call it it all comes down to how you finance it he said if you finance it by by increased taxes or by borrowing it's not inflationary is if you borrow if you if you finance it by printing money it's inflationary the question is how much you know, and he says everybody during times of war uh, prints some money. He said, but the North and the South, in the Civil War, the North basically financed 12 to 15 percent of the war by by printing money, and the South did 40 percent. And the South currency by the end of the war was worthless. And the North, that's really that's the real reason, in a lot of ways, why the North won because they were able to maintain their economy. He said at the end of the war they. They, they bought back the greenbacks and in a few years were able to clean up the 10 to 12 percent inflation mess that they had created. But it wasn't 40, it wasn't 50. Right now, I mean, what, what Powell needs to do, and he won't do it, he has to stand up and say, we can talk about interest rates basically all we want. We can talk about this. Because you should say it comes down to money supply. And if this administration wants to have a $3 trillion budget deficit, we're done financing it for them. They can do whatever they yeah. want. I don't, we're, I'm, I'm out of it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give them, you know, whatever, $100 billion a year. That's it. The rest of it you better either tax for or borrow. That, that's what he needs to say, and he's not going to. But right now they're, 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 they're financing what? A trillion of it. That's way too yeah. much. Hell, that's, that's where the inflation is coming from. It's not, interest rates are just a little, they're just a tool, right? It has to do with where the money's coming from. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I think I think we're still in a regime where I haven't talked about banking in a while. I think we're in a still a regime where the interest on reserves is still serving at the price floor on uh, interest rates, the federal funds rate, right? Sure. And they have they have excess, they have a huge balance sheet, so they have all these unemployed reserves, right? Because it's, it's price floor, the money price floor of interest on reserves is creating these unemployed reserves, which I think is probably Presenting that money, a lot of that money they printed with direct purchases from Treasury or indirect purchases via the bank systems. Uh, it's putting that money from pouring out into the economy because you look at the multiplier, it's still pretty low. So I think the fact that they have this price floor is keeping these reserves in the banking system and not out in the economy where it would create even more inflation. Well, they, they maybe, maybe that's a good thing, right? Well, they they poured, they poured so much in a few years ago. Hell, the yeah. economy, economy couldn't even absorb it. I know. Yeah. Well, that's why I think they need this interest on reserves to create these to, to hold the reserves that they're creating to prevent them from flooding out into the economy. Right. Well, so it acts like kind of, it, these reserves are being kind of held in the bank at the interest on reserves level. The binding price actually, they right? were actually it's going, like the normal age. Actually, they're going back to the. Uh, they were going back to the, the Fed at night. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't seen any of my Fed people in two years. They're still not working, believe it or not. Uh, yeah. Well, they're, 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 getting, they're getting paid, you know, but they're they're not here. Yeah. I think they might be back like one day a week or one day a month or something. But I haven't seen anybody. But one of my I guys, I'm working a week. Yeah, yeah. Well, one one of my guys told me that uh, I didn't. Did do you know what M zero is? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm just unfamiliar with it. I haven't, like I said, I haven't taught that class in a couple of years, and I think they're using some new money. Yeah. 
Well, the, now, there, now there's no more M1, right? They've, they've met, yeah, they're not. They and they're just an old M2, basically. Right? Yeah, it's all, all yeah, it's all an M2 yeah, now. Yeah, it's all, yeah, it's well, all M2 now. Well, when there still was an M1, my guy told me that M0 is the money kicked back to the Fed by the banks overnight where they're getting paid interest by the Fed. M0 mm-hmm. was bigger than M1. That's how much money they'd put in the system the system couldn't even absorb. Well, yeah, they did, uh, they did a rebuffation of the M1, uh, I think in March of 2020. Yeah. Like, it exploded, and people were like, trying to figure out why it was such a big number. And all it is, they just think upon what M1 was. They think they just think too. Yeah. Yeah. But they did it then, the, the March of, I think March of 2020 is when they redefined what M1 was. Well, can you see any, any way with these, Median housing prices now now uh, hitting four hundred thousand, uh, more or less. Do you think any there's any way that the that they can just? I, I hate to use the term soft landing. Do you think there's any way we can just sort of hang here and somehow uh, over the next several years have people increase income and so forth, essentially grow into these numbers, or do you think they got to collapse at some point? You know, I, I, I can't think they're going to collapse. I do, man. I mean, 10%, what I tell you, you know, 10% of mortgages right now are um, arms, and 4% yeah. were arms just a uh, year before that. And I know, I know arms are different now, right? You know, you got limits on how much they can, uh, how much interest they can go up by. But man, I, I you know, in, in Salt Lake, it feels like New York City here. And one thing we're never going to do is we're never going to sell our townhouse condominium in Salt Lake. We're going to be turning it into a rental property. And the rent in Salt Lake on the little office that I'm sitting in right now, it's on the main floor of our condo, I think he's probably charged $1,000 a month for it. Wow. And it's, it, it's a basic bedroom with a, a bathroom, you know, a whole kind of like bathroom with a shower off the side in a little patio area in front of a green space. Like, you know, five years ago, we probably wouldn't be able to get three hundred for it. But we could probably rent it for a thousand a month right now. But, I, I, you know, I think it's going to be bad, honestly. In some, I think it's going to be worse than other, it's going to be worse in certain markets. It won't be too bad in, you know, but I think in a place like Salt Lake, but we have so many people moving here. It's unreal how many people are moving here. So that's contributing. I think the Fed and all the people moving to Utah, getting away from places like California and, and Portland and Seattle, you know, I think that's pushing up our real estate, our rent. And we're like New York, in a sense, because 80% of Utah, I think, is federal land. Yeah. So basically, that's our ocean. And all the development is from Provo to Ogden, right? And it's turned into one big, one big Manhattan, right? Cities, 20 years ago, you could see spaces in between the cities. There's no space in between the cities anymore. When was the last right? time you went to, like uh, Manhattan. I haven't been in a while, but I, people just yeah. got back. When was the last time, when I started, when I started going to Vegas before I was a trader and used to go out and gamble, I used to love going to Vegas. And, uh, I, I remember driving out to Hoover Dam and you were on like a, a regular highway and you reached Henderson and Henderson was like, you know, fifteen truck stops and maybe a few <laughs> houses. I mean, they've they've essentially grown together. Can can you even tell yeah. me one starts and the other one? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, Utah, Utah's Utah nuts, man. It is crazy here. What do you guys have a question? Especially that we financed the VA program, and our mortgage is not too bad, but if we ever rent this place out, we're going to be generating some serious income. Well, the, uh, I mean, it's all the people that are buying homes here, and uh, we have a mortgage lady comes on on, on Monday, and uh, she's bright as can be, and, and really does a nice job for people, and uh, uh, and she, I mean, and she says it's really hard. You don't to get people to focus, and I mean, obviously, everybody wants the low rate, and they want to get the place while they can still afford it. But yeah. and, and everything's fine as long as you you stay married, you stay alive. <laughs> And you stay there for 30 years, everything will be fine. You'll get a couple of raises yeah. along the way, and you can afford it, and you're locked in a nice rate, and your cost of living is going to be fine. God help you yeah. if two years from now, these, these inflation rates, uh, the interest rates uh, are 7 or something, and the taxes go up, who the hell are you going to sell it to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I was working again, and my, my lawyer was there keeping score for his uh, daughter of 17. I think it was 17. And I asked him, it must be really nice to own real estate right now. And he kind of goes, no, it's horrible. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, there's no inventory. Right. No, if, if you sell, what are you going to buy? Right? Well, fortunately, you, you we're... You might be able to sell all those equities, but, man, a house on the street, you're not going to be able to pay that. So there, there's no inventory to sell. So you would think that the real estate industry in Utah would be booming, but he was telling me that there's no inventory. Yeah, it's probably not. Now, where, where Audrey is out in uh, Orland, and well, yeah. she does everywhere, but... There's still this constant, uh, I mean, she's got people of all different ages that like her. She's really good at what she does, I think. Uh, but she, she's got, there's always the, uh, older person who's selling the house to buy the condo because they want to downsize. They don't need the house anymore. But then there's the people in the condo that just had their second kid that want the house. So there's, there's the, there's the generational thing that keeps it I won't say churning, but it, uh, I just did say churning. I, mean, I don't mean churning in the sense you're churning stock, but it's, there's a rotation there that is a natural thing, kind of no matter what. I mean, because you're right, there's yeah. no, there's, if you're a first time home buyer, there's not much inventory. But, yeah. but if you're. Well, it kind of sounds like what's going on, what's been going on in Europe for decades, right? Yeah. The kids take the house when, you know, parents, um, pass away, right? And there's not very many kids in a New York, in a given New York City house, but I think, Utah, you know, we have, yeah, I think we have three or four kids per family, right? <laughs> I think our uh, birth rate or our, uh, our rate of children is about probably twice that of most states. Oh, yeah, yeah. large Mormon population here. What's uh, going, back to what I, going back to what I was talking about at the beginning, you think about every different policy, what does it do? It, it imposes a restriction on output, and that's pushes prices up the man curve. So I, th- I think these politicians, they may be, you know, they may be well-intentioned, right? They, they may try to be, they might be trying to be good. Maybe Joseph, Joseph in Genesis is trying to be good, right? But I don't know if it doesn't matter if it's intentional or not. The things that they adopt create scarcity and pushes, push prices up the man curve. And I think that's a lot of what's going on in the United States today. Well, if you right? start seeing it three and four times in your lifetime, to me, it starts to get intentional. It's not a mistake every yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't, I just can't, I can't understand how bad the decisions were in 2008, and now, the last three years, decisions look even dumber. And I, I you know, it's really hard to think that these very smart people 
are actually making these really bad you know, do you think the real, We don't have much time. Let's go back to 2008 yeah. real quick. Yeah. You, you and I, I mean, you're, I, I mean, I watch the markets and, you know, my, the, obviously I get, I get more information than most because the listeners send it to me, right? So I can't yeah. say that I'm Mr. Research. I'm not, but I, I read what I get and my, my, our listeners are pretty damn good at finding stuff. Uh, and you, you have people that are there. You got kids that come in that are pretty darn smart, and they're asking you questions. So you better, you better, you better stay up to snuff, right? Or you're gonna sound like a dog. Oh, yeah. um, so yeah. it keeps you young. But in, in 2008, you and I are not privy to the amount of loans being taken out in Japan at two percent. The people not doing the forward transaction and bringing the stuff over here and, and getting these mortgage things at six percent. You and I have no way we can figure that out. That's the Fed's yeah. job. Every day that they're supposed to be keeping an eye on where these money flows are coming from. That's what we pay these bleeps to do, and they didn't do it. Yeah. At some yeah. point, you sit there and go, "What am I paying you for?" That's your job, I mean, right? Is yeah. to watch out for anomalies like that. It's not to watch out for the thing that happened last year. It's the thing that's supposed to happen next year, and we give them yeah, all. I think, the happened, I think what happens. I think what happens government agencies, these pseudo government agencies, is there's a lot of groupthink. There's so much groupthink, and man, I've watched a movie called Australia. And there's a stampede, and these cows are headed for a cliff. And fortunately, these cowboys made up of well, cowboy, girls and cowboys. Fortunately, they were able to ride their horses along that ridge of that canyon to prevent them from going over the canyon. But I think these companies have, these companies, big corporations, and government agencies have so much grief. Hell, we got to go, buddy. Hey, uh, okay. yeah. the, uh, we just got the, we're waiting the number, but somebody already has it because the spoos are up 19. Um, Susan are now up 22, NASDAQ up 110. We're going to have a real quick break with Mr. Mayor Pico when we come back. And, oh, by the way, we have this inflation number. We'll be back real quick. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
And I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single-family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, no fake stocks and jocks. I'm Tamal Eliani on the board. SP futures up 30 now. As a futures up 187. Not exactly sure where all this enthusiasm is here, but uh, it is. Dow futures are up about, up like a hundred. Over in Asia, we've got, now these haven't changed, obviously. Nikkei down 46, 1.8%. Shanghai up 46, 1.5. Hang Seng up 110.5%. Remember, Hang Seng was down over 3% yesterday. There's a little bit of catch up there. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 108.7%. FTSE down 44.6. Kakaron down 11.2. Catch up there a little bit as well, because we ducked down in the last hour after they closed yesterday, and they're catching up to that. Although I suspect they'll probably be running up here with us in a minute. Uh, yesterday was a wave review, Dow down 413, S&P down 75, NASDAQ down 299. That was over 2% uh, ouch there. Uh, bonds, we've got 2.71 down 7. Uh, this report is coming in as a positive report, and I don't, I don't understand for a second here why that is. But uh, Bund down 2 basis points, 0.79. Japan unchanged at 0.24. Oil uh, up 358, but still under $100. It's down like five hours from a week ago, 98.788. Brent down up 384 to 102.32. Natural gas, this is a tough one here, up 11 cents to 6.75. It's got to be up 50% in like two months. Our Bob up 7 cents to 3.07. We've got gold rallying out 13.60, 19.61. Big rally in gold. Silver up 22 cents, 25.31. Copper up a penny to uh, 465. And we got Bitcoin up 584 now to 40,621. Eliane, what do you have for traffic, weather, sports, and I'm the mayor here. Yes, thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 7.35 a.m. on April 12th. Let's start with sports. In baseball, the White Sox will be playing uh, the Mariners tonight. Actually, they're hosting the game tonight, or today at 3.10. And the Diamondbacks will be playing the Astros tonight at 8.40. In hockey, uh, Blackhawks will be playing the Kings tonight at 7.30. And Coyotes to play the New Jersey Devils tonight at 9 o'clock. Looking at weather in Chicago, beautifully sunny day. No clouds in the sky. Actually, hardly any, which is great. Uh, currently 52 degrees with a high of 64 and a low of 15. Um, in Phoenix, currently 64 degrees, sunny, uh, with some cloudy skies later in the afternoon, high of 75, low of 48. Uh, quite a bit of traffic in Chicago this morning, so let's get into it. Uh, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 20 all the way to downtown, approaching the 290 I-94 construction intersect. We have traffic westbound on 290 between Western and the 294 South Tri-State Ramp with an accident at Austin Boulevard. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between Lee Street and Lawrence. Traffic westbound on I-90 between Lawrence and Cumberland. 
We have traffic eastbound on 94 between Tui and Canal Port. We have traffic westbound on 94 between, uh, do, 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 do. oh no, it changed. Between 59th and Dempster. We have intermittent traffic northbound on the 294 North Tri-State Ramp. Uh, between Route 50 and the 55 North Ramp. And then more traffic between Roosevelt and the I-90 Connector. Okay, traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and South Damon. Traffic southbound on 55 between South Damon and Cicero. We have traffic northbound on Lakeshore between the 55 North Ramp and East Randolph. And finally, traffic southbound on Lakeshore between Michigan Avenue and East McFetteridge. My God. <laughs> Back yeah. to you, Chief. Oh, a lot, a lot of stuff. Mayor, welcome. Mayor, Mayor Keith Peacock, he's running for Congress, but he's a very popular mayor of uh, Orland Park. You're a, my, my significant other, Audrey, is a massive fan of yours. As a matter of fact, Every time I walk out of her door, I see your name in two different directions with the signs on her front lawn. Uh, so. Well, thank you very much. Um, and then we went to Fox's, and they've got signs there. So I kept running into you everywhere I went at Orlwood last weekend. So that's a good thing. So what do you, what do you like? Well, well, that's good. Go ahead. So, well, no, go ahead. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we're, we're, we're hearing you better now. Uh, what do you... Uh, I'm I'm totally intrigued about you running for congressman, and because I always want to talk to you about what it's like to be mayor. But now, now we we have all kinds of subjects, and then I get into looking at the change in the map, which I couldn't believe how much the map has changed. And now I know now I know why you're running because <laughs> it's your turf. Uh, I just where do you want to start? Where, tell me what do you, what do you like about being mayor? What do you think your accomplishments were, and why do you want to run for Congress? I guess is the question. Well. <laughs> I, I, what I like about being mayor is, you know, I grew up here. I, I was I was adopted. I was raised here, so I've been here for <clears throat> over fifty years, other than my time in the military and college. And obviously, the town has changed a lot, but it's great to be able to give back to your hometown. And after getting into office, I saw what a uh, the, the fiscal cliff that we were headed for. I, I had no idea. I actually thought we were reasonably well run. Uh, we had some debt issues and things like that that were obvious, but I had no idea that uh, we were projected to basically blow through our reserves in a few years, and by this year, 2022, so five years in, be like minus 8% on our reserves. So we had to make some significant, uh, significant changes to how we operated financially, and, uh, and we did. And we did even with a board that was you know, six to one against me to begin with, I'm still able to get them to move in the right direction, reduce debt, cut back our operating expenses by 14%, yeah, you cut our headcount by 9%, we really didn't impact services. So we just operated more efficiently, more efficiently and operated more effectively, and voila, we're in a much better position. With, uh, you know, 35% reserves this year, actually we were able to take 10 million of those reserves and put them into some capital projects that we need, just because we made some Good, good decisions at an important time. Well, Mayor, when you, I mean, obviously, I'm asking this question because you know the answer, and I don't. Most of the suburban mayors in Illinois, and even the mayor of Chicago, really, it's isn't it kind of like a weak mayor system? I mean, you're you're not a dictator by any stretch. When you get in there, I mean, you you need to you need to work with the board and these other people to get anything done, right? Uh, that's true. Actually, the, the village of Orland Park is the weakest form of mayor, uh, mayoral government that there is. And uh, the board hires our village manager. We're a manager council form of government where they shift some of my executive authority that is otherwise given to most mayors to the village manager. So in, in some ways, being having a board that was against me, and they hired a, a, a village manager that was actually the former mayor's deputy committeeman in the Democratic Party, 
basically to obstruct me. And right. having that against me the first two years actually made me a better mayor because I had to use every tool available. I had to know the law, know what my uh, my options were, and I also had to use uh, the bully, bully pulpit of the press and uh, being able to also get information to residents because even though you don't have legal power, you certainly have the soft power of the office because people think you have that power. Well, but, <laughs> I I remember I'm vaguely when that was that was going on, and I I do uh, I mean it's obvious you landed sort of on top there. I mean I won't say sort of in uh, popularity shows. I mean and what uh, I mean you, you've had challenges like everybody. You've got a huge mall which. Uh, I gotta believe brings in some money, but it also has its issues in the last several years, which has to have been something that's taken up a lot of your time, uh, in terms of security, in terms of those kinds of things. I mean, it's, I don't imagine it's easy, which, but, you know, I, I look, I look at your picture, you're not, this is not an assault, you're, you're not, you're, you're not 25 anymore. Easy. Uh, <laughs> uh, easy. And, and, and you're, and you're used to, to being in charge, uh, and making these decisions and saying, like, I, I thought that road was a pretty good idea, and we built it, and boy, it looks damn good. I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for that. How, how does running for representative kind of fit into somebody who's been in charge for a while? Well, that's a very good point. One of the decision-making, uh, when I was sitting down making the decision, one of the questions I asked, I said, you know, I'm, I'm a really good executive. I'm not so sure that I'll be as good at being a legislator. And, you know, a lot of my friends said, you know, just because you're a good executive doesn't mean you won't be a good legislator. And the fact is, I've term-limited myself as mayor, so my days as an executive are somewhat numbered. And when I look at the big picture and what's happening in the country, we need good people with a broad base of experience in Congress who, frankly, have spent their whole life trying to be a congressman. I, I th- This was a decision made in pretty short order, not something I was really dreaming of doing. And... I think my background between my military background, my small business background, my consulting is for large businesses as well, and then mayor really gives me a broad experience that I can bring to Congress, which I think is sorely needed within the halls of the Capitol. I, I, don't, I don't disagree. I just, uh, the skill set I see, and I've been, since I've been reading about your stuff now for two days, I, uh, I, I, I would, I would like to see a, a, a governor. <laughs> That representative, but that's I guess I guess that's too big of a leap, eh? That's uh, I mean, what I guess what what is the career path of a successful mayor for in a town of a hundred thousand people? What, what's next? I mean, I guess you head in one direction, but there really aren't a whole lot of places to go, are there? Well, it, it, when, when I became mayor, I, I thought I'd be mayor for uh, you know eight years, twelve years, and then I would move on and go back into the and focus on the private sector. That's what I thought I would do. And then this uh, this popped up and seemed like a, the right thing to do at the time. And as I tell my kids, you never know what's going to happen in life. I, I sure as heck didn't expect to be uh, a landscaper. I have an aerospace engineering degree and an MBA, and really? I bought a small business that was a tree service and grew it into a tree service and you know full service tree service and landscape company. I didn't expect that either. But life, when life opens doors for you and gives you opportunities, you need to seize those opportunities. Yeah, the boy, uh, I have a family member who did aerospace at Ohio State and he went to work for an aerospace firm in Columbus and uh, they moved and he didn't want to move his family so he hasn't done any aerospace for 30 years I mean, it's amazing how that stuff happens I imagine you loved aerospace so that would be interesting as hell 
Well, you know what? I never was actually a practicing engineer because I went straight from the air or straight from Arizona State and my aerospace engineering degree into the Air Force, and I, you know, I was a backseater in F-15E, so that was exciting. I sure love that. Um, yeah. It was probably the best job I ever had. But back to your point, I'm not 25 anymore, and I don't think my body could handle it. Well, uh, I, let's get kind of get, the reason why I, this, this, the show says stocks and jacks, but we, we wander all over the place and everything. And we have a couple of uh, of people here that have actually supported congressmen. One in Florida was Republican, and he, and he ended up getting elected. And after one or two terms, he you know he said, "I'm I, I'm out of here." I'm not, I mean, what 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 is it like? I mean, what what is your feeling of being? The, a new guy in Congress. Let's assume you win. Uh, first of all, is, is there? A, will it be a lot better? Not just because you know the power in terms of your ability to participate. If the Republicans take the Congress back versus if they don't, I guess I'm trying to figure out what what does the person at the end of the bench do his first year? I mean, I, I mean I'm asking because I don't know. I, I don't know exactly either. I, I talked to uh, General Bergman, who is. Uh, uh, elected congressman in 2016 up in uh, Wisconsin, or excuse me, northern Michigan. He's got the Upper Peninsula. He lives just outside the Wisconsin border. And he's uh, he's the highest-ranking military officer ever elected to Congress. And I, and I sat down and talked, with, talked to him for a while, and he said, what Congress really needs throughout Congress is leaders. And he said, we, you know, there's not a lot of leaders. And he said, he's not just talking about the leadership at the highest level. He's talking about throughout Congress because we have to find a way to start working together and we have, <laughs> and how we're going to bring things together to solve problems for people. So as a as the, the new guy, so in the military we called it the FNG, the FN new guy, um, you know, I, I'm going to, uh, you know, learn. I'm, I'm going to walk in there with, you know, my eyes open and, and my ears open and learn as much as I possibly can, but also contribute wherever I can. And I, I have a couple of committees that I'd like to sit on. And I'm hoping with, you know, I think there's going to be 65 to 85 new people between new Republicans as well as uh, Democrats that have retired, so new Democrats. To help with all of those new people, they, we bring people that want to actually work together, and hopefully that new freshman class can steer Congress into a direction where we try to solve at least the 75% of each of these issues that we agree on instead of just sitting in corners and, and duking it out all the time. Well, there must be some way. I mean, I uh, I don't know this, this is him very well, but he's a good friend of one of my friends. Uh, you know, Mike Quigley. He's he's my guy. You know, well, he's in my congressman. I don't know if he's my guy necessarily, but uh, but now he has managed to, after a few terms, get his way into one of those. He's on the the double secret committee on you know reporting on any kind of military activity overseas, and uh, where he's in you know he's in a very responsible spot. I and mean, I would I would assume that if you get in that they're going to identify your your skill set is somewhat different than somebody wandering in at twenty six, and that you could probably you'll probably matriculate pretty fast into something like that. I mean, maybe people didn't even know you had that position, but your peers recognize that this guy's a little a little further down the road than most. I mean, is that in the back of your mind? I assume. I would hope so. I, so I would like to, I, I think I would like to sit on two committees. One for the district. I think transportation is pretty critical for the entire region. We are the hub of the country for transportation. So I think that's pretty important. And I think there's one from, you know, for me in my country, one that I, that I would really like in, in, in my country. And that's either intelligence, which is what you're talking about, yeah. or armed services. I think both, those would both be great committees to sit on that I would personally really enjoy. Yeah, I would think you'd be somewhat of a natural for that. I mean, uh, 
having the experience you have. Uh, what is what? Uh, real quick, I, I, I I'm stunned at the difference between when you Audrey first told me you were running, and I dug up when they were still messing around with the maps. Uh, I'm trying to find the sixth district, and it, of course they made it as hard as possible. Or maybe I'm just bad at it. Uh, I find it. I'm going. What's what's he doing? There's, there's like Orland doesn't even look like it's part of this district, and now I see the new district. And by the way, Orland is the new district. So, I, uh, did you were you did you anticipate that change, or did you look at the map like I did and go, "Wow, I got a, I got a good chance here." So I did not anticipate that change. It was a very strange looking map, and uh, it was actually when the map came out, and I happened to be down in, uh, in Arizona at the time, and and uh, you know with my brother. And, uh, and he's he's a little bit involved with helping some candidates down there. And uh, he said, this map is interesting. And I looked at it, and I said, okay, great. <laughs> and then I just kind of ignored it. Then he kind of worked on me for a few days and, and had me thinking about the fact that this map was actually winnable. So there was a couple things about it. One is the district went from very heavily leaning Democrats to a very neutral district. It's actually more like, as big as it is geographically, it's more like what a congressional district should be. Right, all of the towns, there's 42 of them, are very similar. I mean, they're different, but they're similar as far as what our needs and desires are, as opposed to having something in downtown, you know, in the projects in Chicago and then all the way out in the suburbs in Orland Park like we had before. So that's one good thing. The other thing is it's a very neutral district, so it's a district that should be competitive every year, uh, which means that you can actually, even in a Republican wave, you're going forward, if you do a good job, you can stay in the seat. Whereas previously, the way the district was drawn, I'm not sure that was possible. You might have been able to win once, but you certainly couldn't keep the seat for any length of time. Was this a combination? I mean, the old, the old 6th District I looked at ended up going all the way up to Barrington. The old, the this, old, this, was a, this was a merger of the 6th District and the 3rd District. And, and actually, the new sixth is only twenty six percent of the old sixth, and and it's forty one percent of the old three, and thirty three percent of it is completely new. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, the, the old one, I'm, I, I looked at, it, I go, why why the hell would he want to run for that? He's not from Barrington, but, but the, just the number. And now this one, I'm looking at it, going, this is your spot. I mean, you're, you're right in the middle of it. Yeah, it's the biggest, uh, Orland Park's the biggest uh, village or city in the, in the district. I, well, obviously Chicago's in the district, but as far as the number of votes, it's the biggest number of votes uh, in, in, any, in any city in the, in the district. So it's a, and Cook County is about 55% of the voters, and DuPage is about 45% of the voters. So uh, it's, a, you know, it's a very, it's a, a very long district north to south, but it could be worse, I could be, like Rodney Davis down in Central Illinois, going from the western border to the eastern border. Well, the the, the gentleman who's the incumbent, he he probably is is he even recognize his district. I mean, it doesn't look like the one he ran for. Seventy five percent of the people in the district don't know who he is. I mean, it's almost a new it's a new district. That's what I mean. And he has a primary against Marie Newman, whose district was merged into his. So there's actually a Democratic primary as well. So. That's also obviously beneficial for uh, the Republican candidate going into the general. Are, are you are you opposed on the Republican side or no? I have five opponents on the Republican side, and you know, as I as I point out to, to folks when we're out there talking, we all agree on all the issues. I, I'm the one guy that's done something on all of them. I'm the only vet. Uh, I'm the only. I'm not the only mayor. There's one other mayor, but I'm the only one that's lower property taxes, cut all the debt of the debt. 
the operating expenditures. I've also worked on crime. We have the safest um, the safest city in Illinois in 2020 and 2021. That we remain the eighth safest small city in the country. Uh, and crime has gone down. We're in Cook County, and crime has gone down every year for five years. Yeah, I mean the the the, the record is is even with a mall that that has its has its issues. I mean, it's pretty spotless. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, as, as records go, I mean, I, I mean, everybody can always going to talk about the good parts, but the fact is, I mean, the people that are there, I, I don't, I don't really talk. I mean, all the people I hang with are from Orland, even though I live in the city. I don't hear any complaints. To be honest with you, I mean, it's uh, what um, so if, if if now you if you don't win, uh, you get to finish out your term, but then you're then you can't run again, correct? I can run one more. Actually, tech, the technic, technically, I can run two more times because the way tournaments work, you can't do it uh, uh, retrospectively so, it, or retroactively. So I technically could run for two more terms, but the term limits are 12 years, so I would only run for one more term if, if, I, if I lose in November, but I'm not going to lose. I don't, yeah, I mean, you're, uh, so you've got the, the primary just so everybody knows the nuts and bolts of this, if they want to go vote and I would the, the primary is when in June the primary is June 28th okay and then uh, and, and assuming you win then you run against one of the other two people and that's in November in the general election correct and that is I believe November 8th so that's second Tuesday in uh, November well that, that's uh, I, I bet it's exciting as hell I, I, I bet you're enjoying yourself uh, it, it doesn't appear that anybody's all that uh, you know, winging names at each other, especially in the primary. It sounds like everybody is on sort of the same page. So it's kind of like an election that elections are sort of supposed to be. <laughs> How often do you get those these days? Well, I think it's going to be that way. It's that way right now, but uh, frankly, I have a pretty big lead over everyone. So I expect, even though everyone says in the primary, don't throw, you know, don't attack the others because we have to come together and we have to win in November. I expect that the attacks are going to start coming because people want to, they'll want to win, so they'll get desperate, and they're not really thinking of the prize, which the prize is winning in November. The prize is not, uh, it's not winning in uh, in June. Obviously, you, you want to win in June to get to November, but as a team, <laughs> the Republican team, if you want to call it that, the goal is to win the seat in November. What, um, it, we're just going through the demographics, and I'm sure somebody in Springfield or somewhere could tell you house by house where people voted last time. What is what are the the chances of both of the parties in in the new district? Uh, so the the, uh, the district so district six was a plus six to plus eight Dem- uh, uh, Democrat district. Uh, district three was a plus eight to plus ten, and the new district is plus one to plus two Democrat. So it's very neutral, as I said. So it's a it's a there's a very good chance. Uh, in in this election for the Republicans to do well, the the old the old six. Eliani has a question here. I want to give her a chance, but uh, the the old six wasn't Henry Hyde the guy for like thirty years? Was he was Republican, wasn't he? I, I it may have been Henry Hyde. I know it was redistricted as well, and it was Roscombe before Casson. Right, but I'm going so, way back. I, mean, I remember that. Took offer. Yeah, I remember yeah. the name Henry Hyde. He was there from like I, mean, I think I bet he won ten terms. He, he was he was unmovable. <laughs> Uh, but that was yeah. Illinois looked a little different back then. True, true. Eliani, you have a question. Yeah, there's just something kind of lighthearted as we're coming uh, to the close of the show. Um, and like during your mayorship and now running for Congress with your current candidacy, what is something that you wish you knew or like you wish someone told you throughout these processes? 
the one thing I wish that I would would have known, although I don't know that it would have deterred me from running, is I wish I would have known just how um, how vile some people would get with how they would attack you and your family. Yeah. And uh, it's been pretty bad, worse than I've ever seen. And actually, most people have said worse than they've ever seen in their lives. So, wow. Um, and uh, the good news is I have a strong wife, and uh, she just kind of ignores that stuff. Um, but, you know, when they start sending things to your to where your wife works, uh, talking about her, talking about her in, in her childhood even, which, yeah. you know, not only were they not true, but even if they were, who cares? She's a grown woman now. And uh, uh, so there, there were a lot of things like that that were, uh, you know, really unfortunate. But people will do anything they can to stay in power. What's up? I guess I kind of knew that, but I didn't know they would stoop to those levels. I actually have experience with that, unfortunately. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting what happens when you become a public figure, how far people are willing to go. I mean, they just, I mean, people just wish they were in your position then, right? They, you know, they wish they could get that far ahead in their lives. You're, ha- you're, you're a successful guy with a, with a happy family. Like, well, there's a lot of people that don't have that. And now you're running for Congress and who's this guy and who does he think he is? And yeah, it's quick. People are quick, you know? They're quick to, quick to judge, quick to say hateful things. Mayor, you know? can I ask a, a, a technical question on, uh, on, on something obviously that I, it's, it's in my mind. When you guys, in the last years you've been there, when you let out, construction contracts and so forth, because you guys have done an amazing amount of work on, like, uh, uh, LaGrange Road and so forth. Does a, mm. does a current contract generally include a, an, in, an inflation clause in it, or has that gone the way of the dodo bird? Uh, so most of the contracts we have do not have an inflation uh, clause in it. We did have one company that, that frankly came to us and said, we can't continue to do this contract or we're going to go out of business. And you know, what do you tell that company? You say, we're going to drive you out of business. Uh, so that, that, you know, that was a special situation. But for the most part, we really haven't seen that um, at this point. I don't think it's gone the way of the dodo bird because I think you see it in private contracts, but haven't seen it in too many public contracts. Well, I tell you, I, we, I, my background is I worked for Pullman and we, we did railroad cars for the, I, I can't imagine anybody signing a contract without one now. I mean, I, I, but that, that would be me. You're saying that, that people haven't woken up yet, basically. I haven't seen it yet, but that doesn't mean it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Most of our contracts, too, are, uh, you know, for our construction contracts are, uh, you know, one year or two years. The projects usually aren't, you know, in, in a municipality, aren't, uh, you know, five or, or, or ten-year contracts. So we're, uh, uh, and a lot of those work contracts, too, they they grow every, uh, every year, though, They'll have a two percent or three percent bump already built into okay. the contract. So I would imagine maybe we'll start to see those bumps be higher. Yeah, uh, get the out year pricing. All right. So a shameless plug: uh, Keith Peacock for Congress. That's your website, correct? And people should go there it's if they want to. <coughs> it's KeithPeacock.com. Okay, I'm looking right at it. Uh, good picture, by the way. And uh, so we we'd like to have you back on for sure after you win the primary. How's that sound? That sounds great. Happy to come on anytime. And uh, by the way, uh, good luck to you. Uh, I'm sure I'll see your name every time I go by my girlfriend's place and all over the place. So, by the way, those signs are nice. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> those, those, those signs are real nice. Whoever did them for you, they, I mean, they're real clear. I, I, as, as signs go, they're the nicest I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, well, imagine that, that in Oil Park, I have pretty good signage. Yeah. <laughs> it's the rest of the district I have to get covered. Mayor, <laughs> uh, take care of yourself. Uh, good luck, and we'll have you back on. Uh, SP Futures are up 4875 now. Big rally uh, from the, these numbers that don't exactly strike me as being that good, but the rest of the world thinks they are. NASDAQ up 262. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Eliani. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. 
Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. I don't want your money touching my money.